Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the Dysfunctional Guy podcast, episode three. My name is Dave Endicott, and I'm coming to you live from the Endicott Age on the Serenity Now alpaca farm in the greater metropolitan area of Jenkins, Minnesota. It is great to have you all here. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, or your evening uh, to sit and listen to this guy talk. Uh, as always, we talk uh, at the beginning of every podcast. You know, we've done a lot now. This is three. Uh, we talk about feedback from the last episode. Our last episode, we focused in on kind of a job search that uh, that and experiences and learnings that I had from the last one. Uh, there was no doubt that the most popular item uh, from that podcast was some what love is that four to eight-year-olds wrote about. Uh, they were asked by a group of professional people about their question to what does love mean. Thought I'd share a few more of those for you just to kind of get us rolling today because they're just way too good. So this is what four-year-old Billy said. When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. I love that. Being safe, how cool is that? This is from four-year-old Terry. Love is what makes you smile when you're tired. I love that too. Love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. That's what Danny, age eight, says. <laughs> I love it. I love that they're seeing it in the positive light on that. And even though mom might have been cheating a little sip on there. Um, Bobby, age seven, love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and just listen. Oh, man, I love that one. Couple more. Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, then he wears it every day. That's Noel, age seven. <laughs> I love it. And I can tell you from being an elementary teacher and principal, a lot of truth to that one. And the last one for today from Tommy, age six. Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends, even after they know each other so well. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of truth and it's actually going to speak to probably a little bit of what we're talking about today. And so uh, anyway, I share those with you. Some other uh, thoughts. Uh, we still had over 550 views last week. Now that's down from about 850. So I guess about three more shows and then pretty much I have no audience left, which I'll probably still sit here and talk to myself because that's the way it was before I did a podcast anyway. Um and then uh, the next one, and I thank everybody. And I, just a reminder that um, you can find us. This will be on uh, on Facebook Live. Um, this will be also, and it's recorded and, and it stays there. So do the other episodes. It's also right now on Buzzsprout, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts, looking at some possibilities of adding some other venues. And those will be just the audio versions. So, and I'm seeing a, a lot of folks here. Hi to the Nordheims and to Mark and Jill. Brent, good to see you, buddy. Uh, Brad Swanson, uh, awesome to see all you guys. I appreciate you jumping on. Um, so moving on to today, we do have a, uh, oh, and I did have one deep thought that I want to share that's a reflection from last time too. Sorry about that. Lost my focus for a moment. Um, what would happen, I, I was wondering, again, I was talking about my job search. I quit my job, didn't have anything lined up and was blessed beyond to have many opportunities and to land where I landed. And then I got thinking as I'm trying to change my lens and understanding 
of how others' lives go and what it looks like for them. And I'm asking this as a question, not something we're discussing tonight, but just to kind of, I don't know, get your brain going this way. What would have happened if I was a person of color in that search? What would have happened if I was a woman, if I was indigenous, if I was in the LGBTQ community, if I was poor? What would have happened in any of those situations? I had a good conversation with my friend Chris Fogru who would do music with, and Chris and I, I have really deep conversations about all these things, and he had just this very profound statement. He said, I can't seem to see past the end of my privilege. Pretty powerful statement. I'll leave it there. Um, something to think about moving forward. And I hope you start gathering that lens of certainly celebrating. And I'm thankful and grateful for how life has been for me. But I also need to understand that's not everybody's story. And I need to be more understanding of those other stories. Our sponsor today, again, is the Serenity Now Yarn and Alpaca Shop in beautiful downtown Pine River. Uh, if you're a knitter or a crotcheter, they've got all your supplies, ideas, and help to give you to do projects while you're living the COVID dream at home. Um, we've also got a ton of cool gifts from local artisans. There's folks that have just amazing talent in our area, and a lot of them are kind enough to share and then if you just need to get warm and get some warm socks hats that kind of stuff that's there too open wednesday through friday 10 to 5 and saturday 10 to 3 go grab a donut at the pine river baker the new owners are awesome and the donuts are delicious so uh there you go there's the plug for the day if you want to be a sponsor it's free just say hey dave give me a shout out or perhaps you want sales to go up and you don't want it to be on here and that's understandable as well so today the uh title is, Where is God? The Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, and Insurrection. And I'm going to start out right away. We're not going to answer a lot of questions today, but there's going to be a lot of questions uh, and, and a discussion that I hope will build further down the road. I've been thinking about the place of religion uh, in, in what has happened in the past few weeks, few months, few years uh, in our country and maybe in the world to some extent, but I'm focusing more in our country, in our area, and how religion is being, I don't know how to put it right, bantied about as a reason for things, or are my thought for responding. Um, I, I happen to profess to be a Christian. I happen to uh, express myself through the Christian faith, uh, going to a Lutheran church, um, and I don't want this to be just about that Christian faith, although that's going to be where the root of that's coming from, because that's what I experience. But I think it does fit in to other realms. And I, I want to I need to learn more uh, and I want to know more in those other realms as well. Um, I want it to be about our perceptions of religion in general, including Christianity. But I want to see, has it really been skewed and altered over the past t recent times in what we perceive those things to be. And, and in my mind, it has. And I'll be honest, I get kind of irritated with what I hear and see in, in the public specter, uh, social media, TV, whatever you want to put it, <coughs> excuse me, how it's portrayed and how it's not really what I see and experience myself. Um, we seem to be brilliant as human beings of taking pretty simple commands 
are pretty simple ways that we are given to live our faith and really messing them up. Um, we complicate things beyond belief and make it so that it's hard to see the real gospel, in our case as a Christian church, within what we do and how we react and how we do things. Uh, I want to share with you a poem before we begin this real discussion that I wrote a while back. Um, and it really goes back to the fact that we've really lost the ability to have civil discourse in the midst of all of this. We've lost the ability to have a real discussion and, and, and disagree. There's some folks that I see on here that I know I can have those discussions with. But to be honest, most of them are pretty much on the same page I am. So it, it's not a tougher discussion sometimes. And I need to have those tougher discussions. Um, uh, Mark, thank you. I'll get to that Christian nationalism hijacking our faith. Yeah, that, we're going to touch on that. Appreciate you bringing that up. So here's the poem, Disagree and Get Along. Does it have to be a paradox to disagree and get along? Why can't there be differences without it being taken wrong? Exclusion from something meaningful just because of different views. It borders on insanity, so why is this the path we choose? It is not a personal affront to listen to dissonant thought, or is it all too tolerant to be challenged and maybe taught? Politician and a minister dispute the facts they freely spew, as if their words and not actions will help determine what is true. My own words disagree with myself. Why can't I live the words I write? To disagree and get along would give me vision more than sight. And I need to qualify some things here. I, I talk about the ministers and what they freely spew. I have a number of friends that are ministers, uh, relatives, uh, and uh, I am not speaking of them. Uh, I am speaking of those folks that we see in the national spotlight or in these forums that are kind of spewing these kind of crazy ideas out there, to be honest, and uh, as if they've got the only gospel that matters. Everybody else is wrong somehow. Uh, and I really think it just, they prevent us from being able to have real conversation uh, as we move forward. I want to share a, a quote, uh, another pastor friend, it's popping up everywhere, uh, Scott Jekyll, that uh, shared this on Facebook the other day. And he actually, I asked him if I could steal it. And he said, I stole it from Richard Rohr. Uh, if you ever read, a, Richard Rohr's got some really good stuff to, to look at. And Richard Rohr stole it from the New York Times. The New York Times stole it from Albert Einstein. So I'm going to join the list of people stealing, uh, which goes against one of the Ten Commandments we're going to talk about in just a minute. So I, again, I'm being hypocritical. Uh, but I want to share this. Uh, Einstein wrote this in 1950 uh, as a condolence letter to a, a gentleman named Norman Salit. And you may say, who's Norman Salit? I didn't know either. Uh, I looked it up. He's an American. He was an American lawyer, rabbi, and a Zionist who he served as the president of the Synagogue Council of America. And this was the letter that, or part of a letter anyway, that Einstein wrote to him back in 1950, reprinted in the New York Times in 1972. And these are just some thoughts on comprehending our connection to the larger community of humanity and to creation itself. This is the quote. A human being is a part of the whole called by us universe, a part limited in time and space. He experiences himself, his thoughts and feelings as something separated from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of his consciousness. This delusion is a kind of prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for a few persons nearest to us. 
Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures in the whole of nature in its beauty. I want to repeat that last piece. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. I think that's really powerful, and you kind of need to see it. I'll maybe post this quote uh, in my uh, on my Facebook page for Dysfunctional Guy because um, you kind of need to see it and read it and absorb it for a while. But really talking about we are pretty comfortable staying within our own belief systems in our own space and having just those few people that can share that space. And he's saying we need to share, we need to bring that compassion out and understand and be compassionate to all, even those with dissonant thought. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I'm going to move on, weird connection, but to the Ten Commandments from here, and, and hopefully you'll find the connection down the road. Or maybe you won't, and you'll just go, this guy's nuts. So yeah, that, that works too. Um, I've been, I, I was given the privilege and the honor of uh, being asked to be a confirmation guide this year, uh, most of it being done remotely, and I've got a, a, a great partner that really leads the way, and I just kind of jump in and screw things up. But uh, we started with uh, looking at the Ten Commandments, and I've got eighth grade boys. Uh, that is the group that I get the privilege of working with. Uh, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not a theologian. I don't play one on TV. I didn't sleep at a Holiday Inn Express and become one. Uh, and I told you about, I've got many pastor friends, some who listen to this, or maybe they don't anymore because they know this is pretty messed up. Um, but I'm going to share with you kind of my thoughts and processes on it. So while, again, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I really support separation of church and state. I need to state that right up front. You need to know I believe in the separation of church and state wholly. Um, and if we ever feel we need down the road, oh, you know what, I just uh, skipped the pitch. If we ever feel we need to put some things in place, I got some ideas on that that are going to come up. I want to first talk about the Ten Commandments, and I, then I want to reflect on what that looks like in conjunction with the... Um, Acts of the insurrection and other pieces that have happened recently in our in our future. Uh, I will tell you as as we studied these ten commandments, it really hit me in a different way. Uh, there was some piece I, I've heard the ten commandments a million times. I, I've I, I've read them. I, I read stuff about them. I, I you know, but for some reason that it just struck me differently this time as I put it into reflection on our current society and our current way of doing things. Uh, Pastor Drew at our church uh, spoke about how the first three commandments focused on our relationship with God. And then the next seven really focus on our relationship with others. And I would argue there's one that's probably a both uh, that's there. And I really like that thought. And I'm going, okay, well, did Moses know something? Did he know we needed to spend more time with our relationship with others than the relationship with God? And maybe that's a reflection of what our relationship with God is. Uh, totally don't know because I wasn't really there. I know I'm old, but not quite that old. So the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before you. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. And I would argue that's both relationship with God, relationship with others. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet. There's some different versions out there that worded a little differently, but that's the general, the 10 or the 10. That's kind of it. And I share these again in that context of what happened recently. 
much of what was done storming the Capitol and, and other things that have happened recently in our history have been done in the name of religion. And then I read these Ten Commandments, and, and some of these people that did these things in the name of religion have said that they need these Ten Commandments back up in places and all that kind of thing. And yet I'm going, you're not, you're, you're not even living it. And, I, and I'm a hypocrite because I don't either. I break some of these. And hopefully not often, but I, I know I do. And so I'm a hypocrite speaking about it. But I, I just wonder, how does this impact if we really put that into place, what does it look like? And if we live it instead of just say it and let it be ever the people's problems, other people need to live this way. Well, I think we really need to focus on ourselves maybe more often with that. I'm going to go off on a little side note here. It's just, I have to, cause it's a pet peeve of mine. And I also understand as we talk about these things, we get to see the extremes. I mean, let's be honest. Um, we're seeing the extremes on either side of the spectrum, and that's what's presented in social media. That's what's presented in the news. That's what's presented everywhere. It's those extremes. One of those things that comes up, though, in the midst of this, and it just drives me nuts, is when I would see people or hear people say, our problem with our society today, speaking of the United States in particular, is that we've taken God out of the schools. Nothing makes me more mad than that moment. Because I will tell you right now, I don't know anybody that I have met, even the people I respect with the utmost respect, that have the power to take God out of anywhere. I don't believe that. I don't believe I can go and remove God from a building. And I will tell you, every single day in 27 years of education, I have seen God. You cannot walk through the halls or into a classroom or in the lunchroom or at a game or at a show, at a theater production, at a concert, and not see it. Not see that God, whoever your God is, in that moment. Every single day. Then they go on to, well, there's no prayer in the schools. Well, first of all, there never really was. It wasn't what the school was meant to be. Secondly, I prayed every single day. I still do. And sometimes in the middle of the day, when you hear somebody lost a loved one or is ill, and, and I'll say that quick prayer as I'm walking the hall, as I'm at my desk. So please don't go there. Please don't share, or I'd love to hear your argument about why you think that's the case. I get that that's probably not your point. You're just saying we're losing our values and those kinds of things, and that's a worthwhile conversation. But please know God's there. I really believe that with all my heart. So... I talked about that separation of church and state, gave you an example of my frustration with some of that. One of those other things that they moved to is we need to put the Ten Commandments. Sometimes they're up in public spaces even today still. Some of them have been taken down controversially because people believe that's removing God again somehow. Um, I'm going to tell you, we're going to get into the Beatitudes in just a minute. If we're going to put things up, and I'm not sure I agree with that, but if we're going to do let's put the Beatitudes up. Let's really reflect on how we want and how we believe people are. Um, one example of, you know, when we have over the course of history, if you look back historically, whenever the church and the state have become one, when they have become one, and I'm not talking about a marriage, I'm talking about church and state becoming one, it has become ugly. It has not been a good thing. A perfect example goes way back 
again, before my time, even though I'm old, was during the Roman Inquisition. Galileo, one of our greatest scientists of all time, even to this day, was placed into house arrest for nine years up until the day he died because he believed that the world was round. And that was heresy. And at that time, the church was the government, was the law. And so they put him under house arrest for the rest of his life because of this heresy of the earth being round. Well, newsflash, this isn't a conspiracy theory. The earth is round. I, I know. It's shocking, isn't it? Uh, so there's an example of why I still believe separation church of state and the freedoms that our forefathers gave us to express our faith in different ways and in different places. It's just beautiful. And school is our place to learn how to discern all the information that comes our way. Okay. Again, I think education is going to be another podcast down the road. Um, so I want to move into the Beatitudes. This is totally my theological take, and I don't think there's anybody out there that's probably going to say this is what it looks like. But um, I wonder if God just didn't go, okay, y'all suck at these Ten Commandments. You don't do them very well. So I need to come up with some other places for you to go that you might be able to live and do. Uh, and I think one of those was sending Jesus in our faith experience. Uh, you just go, okay, yeah, you can't do it on your own. So we're going to bring in another person that uh, that's going to going to take that place for you and and do that. And there's a whole other story that goes with that. And he brought these beatitudes. Um, and I, again, I think it's probably because we're not good at those ten commandments. So I think he decided to bring something in that's based on love and grace as opposed to judgment and shame. And I'm going to talk about where I think we've gone with some religion discrepancies uh, with those two things. So let me share with you the Beatitudes. I'd like you to listen carefully and see how this reflects on how we're acting as a country and how we are doing things. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who thirst and hunger for righteousness' sake, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, this one really hit home, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. I look at those and I go, first of all, what an, what an incredible statement, because we're talking about people throughout this whole Beatitude sermon that are the have-nots in many respects, the poor, the meek. All of those pieces, the hungry, and they're the ones that are blessed. So why then do we not put this up and relive that? Because to me, that's if I could put that up in a school and say, you know what, young lady that comes from poverty or comes from a broken home or comes from all these different things that are just too much for a young person, blessed are you. How cool is that? Isn't that how we, going back to that first quote by Einstein, is that the compassion we bring to the table? And so I think what we say and do is different than what we're called to do in a lot of respects. Because much of what was done, it was done in the name of religion. I don't know what religion it is, because it's not one that's familiar to me. 
again, we see the extremes, but I wonder if there's a way that we can bring the love and grace to the table as opposed to the judgment and shame. I think there's an attack on not just our nation's capital, but on our sense of being right with each other. I had a discussion with a friend of mine that we talked about. He had shared a, a, a Christian song with me. It was really a neat song, had great lyrics. And I said, I, I believe in what this the lyrics say and what's there, but I'm struggling because I see a great divide between the religion of guilt and shame and the religion of grace. And I don't know what the bridge is to gap that. I, I, I don't know what that looks like. And that really bothers me. We have a world full of hate or refusing to acknowledge the different points of view. And it's not a healthy place when we do that. It's not a place I want to live. It's not a place I want my children. And if I ever have grandchildren, I want them to live in. A place where we're not tolerant of listening and learning from others with compassion and love. Not shoved down our throat or forcefully done. Or barricading and storming and doing whatever to make sure I get my way. It's Black History Month, and we just celebrated MLK. We have an example in my lifetime, fairly recently, of what peaceful protest looks like. And I'll tell you again, I believe fully in peaceful protests, even if it's a viewpoint I don't agree with. I think let's, that helps us bring the conversation to the right table. This was not peaceful and it was not meant to do anything but harm to our democracy. And in some ways, it was an attack on our freedom. And I found that interesting because I think the protest was about what they told us it was about was their perceptions that their freedoms were being taken away. And in the process, they attacked the very place that is supposed to protect those freedoms. I, I, I struggle with that. And I don't struggle with the fact if they feel that way, that's fine. I may not agree with all of their perceptions on that, but I don't agree with also attacking the place that possibly gives you those rights to do that. I see that wide gap between religion of judgment and shame and the religion of grace and love. Some will say, well, you just got to pray. God's in control. And I don't disagree with that. But I also have to think at some point God's calling us to action. We can't just say the Beatitudes, the Ten Commandments, the greatest commandment, love one another. We can't just say them. If we, don't, if we don't live them, it doesn't mean squat. And so my challenge to myself, because I'm hypocritical here as all get out, is to try to understand others better. I told you my word for this year is story. I want to understand and hear other stories better. And my hypocritical part is I do believe God is in control. Sometimes. I question that sometimes. I have a lot more questions than answers. I desperately crave that peace that surpasses all understanding. But I know I'm far from being there with that understanding. And so I sit here today, you guys, and I just say, I don't have answers. I have a lot of questions and I have a lot of struggles. And I know some of the things I see are wrong. And I'm okay to say that. I don't know how to change the wrongs and how to make it better. But I'm going to keep trying. I want to share a couple of other po another poem with you. Um, this is a poem I wrote in the midst of some of this called Do You Ever? And really is talking about, <laughs> I, I just wonder what God sits and sees upstairs and wonders about and goes, 
y'all, how are you so messed up? I gave you pretty simple directions. So here it is. Do you ever, Lord, do you ever get tired? Do you ever think this is enough? Do you ever wonder what happened to your creation? Do you ever live in the midst of this? Do you ever wonder if we'll ever get this? Lord, I am so tired. I've had enough. I've seen enough of the creation and chaos. I wonder if you are there in the midst of this. I wonder if I get it. Lord, give me energy to act with love. Help me be enough. Help me bring peace among the chaos. Help me see you in the midst of this. Help me get it. That's my prayer for you as well. That, and, and I also pray that your understanding and what you get is different than I. That we can move forward. Had kind of a uh, serendipitous moment today. Uh, Friday, we drove to Rochester to visit our daughter. I think I mentioned that. And uh, I was listening to the Avett Brothers Pandora station. I like listening uh, to that station on occasion because we get a lot of different kinds of genres of music and different perceptions and different things that happen there. And uh, for whatever reason, on Friday, there was a group called Mandolin Orange that was... Um, they kept playing a whole bunch of their songs, and one of their songs was called Gospel Shoes. Well, today we had a few friends that stopped by the farm. They had gone uh, hiking up in the woods, and then they came and visited Esther's store and then stopped by the farm to check things out. And one, Erica Bielen, who's a, a good friend and uh, somebody that I, we sing together at church and, and have just great conversations about life in general. She, I, she was asking about the podcast, and I was sharing what I was going to talk about. She said, oh, Dave, you ever heard the group Mandolin Orange? I said, yeah. She said, you heard the song Gospel Shoes? I said, just heard it on Friday. This is crazy. And so I decided um, the lyrics are just, I think, just incredibly meaningful. If you get a chance, go listen to it. It's a fun song to listen to. Uh, so this is the lyrics from Gospel Shoes by Mandolin Orange. Some set their heads to swimming, nothing to lose. Drift about their good times, slivers in their boots. Some walk the straight and narrow, only passing through, trading this world over for a pair of gospel shoes. Gospel shoes are laced with shackles and chains, fitted for the poor runners of the race. Now every hand is folded, shape of a gun, targets ever-changing, but the war it rages on. So the armies march onward for the mother and the son as this world of screaming color is bleached in the blood. Freedom was a simple word, so reverent and true. A long time ago, it meant the right to choose. When you love and how to live, now it's so misused. Excuse me, who you love and how to live, now it's so misused, twisted by the politics of men in gospel shoes. So the armies march onward for the mother and the son, as this world of screaming color is bleached in the blood. Our mother, she is crying, her broken heart is blue, because we're too busy dying to love this life we lose. She's growing weary of the lying, she's tired of all this fighting, in the name of gospel shoes. Again, I'll post the lyrics uh, on the, my Facebook page, because again, I think a worthy listen and a worthy thing to uh pay attention to that's the the end of my rant today i like again i, I think i i wandered aimlessly and which is my want to do in life in general um i do have a few random thoughts to share with you to close out and then we'll talk about the next episode 
Um, I, I, I oftentimes I'm listening to uh, Sirius XM on my way to work. I've got about a 40 minute commute or 30 minute commute, depending on which campus I go to. And I, I'm listening to a variety of stations, but for whatever reason, on the Major League Baseball channel, um, as I told you, I'm a baseball nut. Uh, there's ads that come on all the time. Um, always, always men, always male. Um, that are sharing their buy my book or get my free this for how to invest and make millions. And I have the best, and all of them are the best selling books in the, and the surest answer to all of that. And I sit there and I wonder if your plan and strategy is so dang good, why are you on here hawking stuff on a radio station? Because if I had that plan and it was really that good, I'm I'm retired and I'm having fun. Sorry, gone. I'm not sitting and making radio ads on what book you can buy for me. So just a random thought. Okay, you can't tell my wife this promise that you won't tell her, but I've kind of liked this winter. It's been kind of mild, nice. There's actually been um, some beautiful days with the frost and the snow and that kind of thing. I will never admit this again in real life, but it's been kind of a nice winter. Also, I'm going to challenge you for the month. I want you to read, research, listen to the stories of a person of color this month or a person from a different story than your own. See if you can get closer to that peace that surpasses all understanding by listening, reading, learning about another person's experiences and stories. And one little extra thought, the Bernie Sanders memes are top notch. Isn't that just awesome? Uh, so next up is going to be uh, episode four on Sunday, February 14th. Valentine's Day. Yep, we got a Valentine's Day special, and this is going to be a little different take on Valentine's Day. I know that surprises you. Um, I'm going to, it's also right in the beginning of Lent. Lent happens to be, for me, the most meaningful season of the church year. I was going to say my favorite season. I don't know if that's the right word for it. Most meaningful for me. Uh, I, I appreciate the reflection time, and we'll talk more about what that all means down the road. But um, I'm going to be sharing uh, a poem I wrote called Buried, A Lenten Journey that we also became, uh, we turned it into a song, song that I play at the beginning here. And actually my buddy Mark Lindquist is writing me some new bumper music or pre-pod, post-pod, whatever you want to call it, uh, music. So we'll have something new coming up sometime. But um, I'm going to talk about, first of all, my own experience with, with Lent and grace, and really more specifically digging into the story of my brother, uh, who's currently in prison, and the lessons and the, the beauty of some things learned in the most difficult times of my life, which was working through what he's gone through. Uh, it's going to be a look at the love for a brother, literally and figuratively, and it's about the matters of the heart, and it's going to get to the heart of the matter. So I hope you'll join me again Sunday, February 14th, 7 p.m. Uh, if you're going to be out doing something special with your honey, then please uh, just you can catch it later at another time. Um, last, I know I've got a few comments here. Uh, my buddy Brent, who's just brilliant, and you need to know he's just the greatest guy around. He said, Galileo thought the earth moved around the sun. I remember reading and teaching that, Brent. And the earth being round was common knowledge right up until 2019, which we discovered it's a little off-wacky. Off, off um, and Brad says, I crave what you crave. Mark Kopka, Richard Rohr, yeah, it, great stuff. Dig into it. Um, 
I think that's that's the majority of the stuff there. I appreciate all of you joining me. I hope that I've made you think at least. Uh, and I would love you to write comments. You can email me at dysfunctionalguypodcast at gmail.com. You can write messages on the Dysfunctional Guy Podcast Facebook page. And again, this will be recorded and, and I think either tonight or tomorrow will be shipped out to be on uh, just the audio versions out on those podcast sites, Stitcher and Apple Podcast and Buzzsprout. Thank you all. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Blessings. Challenge yourself. Find out about somebody different than you.